It is so good to have the opportunity to be with you today, to be back tonight and this evening to have some time to talk about a journey that we began together about eight months ago. And when I say that we began this journey together about eight months ago, a little more than that, I, I, I'm saying that not as, not, not as a hook, not to try to make you feel included when you're not, but that very much reflects the reality of what's happened. We began that journey together. And I want to spend a few minutes tonight talking about what we have been doing together in our fellowship in the gospel during that period of time. Now, based on having been involved in this work for a long time and being blessed to uh, communicate with churches about the work over there, I, I know some of the questions that folks have, you know, some of the things that are interested, interesting to them as we talk about our, our lives together over there, and I hope that what we present tonight can reflect that. I want to spend a little bit of time talking about life, what life is like there, and spend the balance of the time talking about the work that we are doing together. And as we do this, we might begin with the question of, well, you know, where, where are we? Well, we're in, we're in Europe. And I know for some folks, maps are not the most comfortable things in the world, but I know in our case for what we're doing right now, I think this will be helpful. We are spending most of our time in the Czech Republic, uh, some people, you know, some of us show our age sometimes, we call it Czechoslovakia. Does anybody in here still think of it as Czechoslovakia? Well, you know, it was up until about 1992, 1993, it was Czechoslovakia, but then they, uh, they divided it into two countries because nobody could spell it. <laughs> most of our time, most of our time in, in the Czech Republic, in Prague, part of our time way down here to the southeast in Bulgaria on the Black Sea, uh, you know, the country most on our minds most recently probably is, is, is the Ukraine, so you get some perspective of where that is. A little more information on this about where we are. Again, we're in Prague, which is the capital of the country most of the time. I work fairly extensively in Brno, and also going to talk about some time we spend in the Czech Highlands, special opportunities there in a town that's so small it doesn't make the map. That doesn't mean it's not important. And also some time in the country of Bulgaria, again primarily in Sofia, the capital. But as of uh, the last year and a half, two years of, of the work over there, some opportunities that have arisen near the Black Sea, near the Turkish border, in the small city of, of Sleven. So what's it like to be there? What is our life there together like? Well, it's really, really busy. I have a little office space and I have this... They have a really cool paper they have over there. It, it, it's like wallpaper you can put on your wall, and it turns it into whiteboard, so you get to write on your wall. And I was doing my, my schedule for the middle of, middle of uh, February through the end of March. When I got it all written down, it, was, it just made me tired. I was looking at all the different cities, uh, several different cities, and about three different countries that I was going to be in, and, and the different responsibilities that I had in the various places. And it made me tired, but it made me smile. And it made me smile because I looked at that and it reflected so many good opportunities to, to, to talk to people about God's Word. And, and, and folks, it, it doesn't get any better and it doesn't get any more basic than that for someone who wants to preach the Gospel. What is life like? Well, I spend part of my day studying and I spend the rest of the day talking to people about what I found in the Word. And for being a preacher, that's just Reagan sitting there smiling. I mean, that, that, that's, just, that's just as good as it gets for somebody who wants to, wants to preach the gospel. Uh, living in Prague is pretty spectacular historically. It's a really, really old city. You see the, the, the teen church here in Old Town Square. Uh, you may have remembered one of those history classes a long time ago where you talked about the Reformation movement. One of the names you would have encountered there was John Huss. His name was actually Jan Hus. And this is where he was, uh, his followers for about 200 years were able to uh, protest, protest uh, the existing religious order and be involved in this place. But it's not just all about city and old stuff. Uh, some of the best hours I spend in Bible study are spent in a park like this. Because while some people like to study the Bible sitting down in an office or sitting down in a living room over a coffee table, some people like to talk about the Bible as you, walk through, as you walk through the forest, as you walk through nature. I spent hours and hours and hours in this park doing, doing just that uh, with one of the Christians there in particular or traveling through the mountains. Uh, some of you have heard a few of the countries in Europe called the Balkans. 
There's a reason they are called the Balkans, and it is because the Balkan mountains run through them. And these are the Balkan mountains, and when we take a train through Bulgaria, this is part of what we have the opportunity to see. And, uh, well, it's cold there. Uh, I, I noticed that particularly after having spent eight years in South Florida. I had bought a coat that I thought was a winter coat, and by the middle of November, I realized it was a fall coat. By, by the beginning of December, I was being reminded of what snow looked like. And before too long, we had about 10 inches on the ground at one time. And that was a little bit of an adjustment again, kind of getting, kind of getting used to that. Uh, you know what? As Genesis tells us, the seasons continue to come around. Winter always loses. I took this photo not too long before I left. I was just walking down a street in Prague and saw this. And though I don't have uh, the most sensitive eyes to natural beauty necessarily, uh, this was something that captured my attention and uh, made me thankful. A lot of our time there is spent traveling, and the traveling we do is by, by, by train. This is as close, folks, this is as close to seeing a selfie of me as you're ever going to get. I realize that somehow I think you're supposed to be able to turn the phone around and push something on it and do it. I use a mirror when I do this. But the Czechs call this Bill's house on his back because from traveling place to place and traveling by... by it, it, it's not by car. When I got back into Florida two, three weeks ago, it was the first time I'd driven a car in eight months. Uh, and Thankfully, it's kind of like riding a bicycle. Traveling by train, traveling by tr public transportation in the city of Prague, it's a normal part of life. It's a pleasant part of life. Where do we live? Well, we, we, we live in this building. We live on the top floor in the center of Prague, and that was our goal from the very beginning. In fact, I told you all that months ago when I was here. If you want people to have access to you, you want them to be able to come into your homes, you want to have Bible studies there, you need to be accessible. And we were blessed to find this, and uh, <laughs> I don't know if this is a blessing or curse or not. This is an amazingly good Vietnamese restaurant. And while Nancy was still back in the States trying to sell the house and get ready to come over, I, I would go to the grocery store and I'd buy my broccoli and I'd buy my carrots and I'd buy my skinless chicken and I'd be headed home to cook. And I would walk past this place and I would smell that food. And I'd take my groceries to the kitchen and put them in the refrigerator and promise myself I'd cook tomorrow. But it also meant, you know, just like setting up, setting up housekeeping again. Finding a place to live and, and then having to get furniture. And having what was maybe the most, well, the second most traumatic. Almost getting killed in Israel in a terrorist incident was, was the most traumatic. Second most traumatic was a trip to Ikea. Buying furniture in Ikea, sensory overload being in Ikea, and then experiencing going in and picking out a nice big L-shaped couch that would just fit in the living room, and when it shows up in the delivery truck, it's in a box about this big, and it has 900 parts. But fortunately, we were able to turn that into an opportunity for some of our young people to come over and have a Put Bill's Furniture Together party, and all of that worked out well. Some of the more serious parts of it, though, and you know, one of the many things I continue to solicit prayers about is our legal status there, our residency there. That is in the works right now. We're waiting to hear back on an extension of that. That involves going to the foreign police, which is not necessarily the most pleasant place you can be in the Czech Republic. But it was another reminder of how blessed we are. See, we showed up with blue passports that say USA on them. And we had a dear friend who was also a lawyer who specializes in immigration with us. And the line behind us was about a 22-year-old Ukrainian girl who was there by herself. And I thought with all the hoops we're having to jump through, the language issues that we're facing, I cannot imagine what it is like for this young lady. And you know, worst case scenario for us is what? We get sent back to the States. What's the worst case scenario for her? Dealing with this though, hoping and praying things will turn out well, one of the things, one of the scenes that we see on a regular basis in our neighborhood is in front of, uh, well, 
where these ladies are, are lined up in a line. These are Ukrainian ladies that are in front of a health agency to get food, to get clothes, to get sweaters, to get things like that. You'll notice it's only ladies in line because Ukrainian men are kind of are somewhere else kind of busy right now. But on a different note, it's also about having the opportunity to to get more involved in the lives of, of, of some of the Christians there. One of the things about making the short trips like I've made for so many years now is when you're there, it's, you know, it's Bible study, Bible study, Bible study, Bible study. You don't really get a chance to get involved in the lives of the people on a different level. This has given me an opportunity to, well, to attend a couple of, of, of basketball games of this young man right here. He's always been very special to me because I remember when his mom and dad started dating about 27, 28 years ago. And I remember the process of his father becoming a Christian because about the same time his father was exposed to the gospel, he was also in the process of qualifying for the Czech Olympic team as a triathlete. And as he continued to train for that and look at the hours and hours, and folks, if you don't know what's involved, the hours of training to be an Olympic athlete, it's absolutely overwhelming and insane. Uh, he, he decided he had a choice to make. He decided that he either could put the kingdom first or be focused on his career as an Olympic athlete. And in his mind, his decision was the kingdom was more important and the two were not compatible. And so he decided to follow after Jesus. He's been very blessed. He has a wife who loves the Lord and they've raised three children who have come to love the Lord and getting to go watch their youngest play some basketball is something that's pretty, pretty pleasant. Uh, people often make fun of me for the poor quality of my photos. Sometimes I deserve that and sometimes I don't. In this particular case, I do not deserve to be made fun of for the poor quality of this photo. I, yeah. said, wow, if, I think if I could see the top of this, I might realize that it's a minaret. This is a mosque in Sophia that we walk by on a regular basis where we're going to where we worship. Uh, if you can see this building a little bit better, that's about a, on a good day I could hit, I could hit a three wood from here to here. Uh, not that I've ever tried. On the top of this building you'd see a Star of David. This is one of the largest mosques in Europe of its type. There's a, there's a cathedral a very short distance away from there. And again, it's about a ten minute walk from the, the, the small place where we gather on Sundays for worship. As you think about some pretty amazing cultural diversity that we are exposed to, and uh, that, you know, if you're thinking that you know that seems kind of you know kind of bland, kind of vanilla. This is also in our neighborhood. This is for all of your witchcraft and Wiccan needs. This is a store that you can go to and buy. I've, I've yet to go inside to see what goodies they might have, but it's only a couple of blocks from where we live, so it's there. Some of the challenges of travel took a picture, I wanted a picture of this train station timetable because it's just a little bit weird to me. There's one word of English on it. And if you're only going to have one word of English, how much good does that do? I mean, think about it. If, if you can't read this in Cyrillic and know that this is, gonna, this is the block, this, this is the train number, that this is the chas, this is what time it's going to go, this is the cole, it tells you where to go, you're not going to make your train. And then when you go to the ticket office and try to buy your ticket, and they don't speak any English there, even though it's the main train station in a European national capital, you realize that if you can't kind of function in their language a little bit, you're not going to get, you're not going to get anywhere at all. When you get to Bulgaria, you find out things are a little bit primitive. Uh, this is the, the, the building that one of the last Airbnbs I stayed in there. The, 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 I, I I think I could have done this work as an electrician. I don't know what kind of codes you have here in Lufkin, but I'm guessing that this does not meet any of those codes. And then walking down the street, if you know, you see some things don't change. This is an example of this. This is a typical sidewalk in downtown Sofia where randomly you have little pieces of rebar sticking up out of the sidewalk about two inches or three inches. Rumor has it, Rumor has it, it is not only possible to stub your toe on that, but you can occasionally trip. Uh, that, 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 that was funnier when I was 28 than it is now that I'm 58. And, and 
and, and, and other things a little closer to home for us. I've, since I've been here, you know, Reagan mentioned this morning, I, I've been privileged to, to be involved with you folks for a number of years now. I, I came in and I, I saw the changes in your, your facility here and commenting on that. It, it's a little different world with, with the, our, our location for worshiping over there. This, this picture is from a couple of weeks before we got back to America. I've kind of lost track of time right now. Uh, in the city of Brno in the Czech Republic, the place that we meet in there is maybe maybe twice the size of this platform. I'm not sure if it's quite that big. Uh, it's, it's a storefront. All of this is glass across there. And next door is a pizza place. And they're seating outside at the pizza place. And uh, because of European Union laws... There are restrictions about where people can smoke. And so the solution to that is to get up and walk a few feet from the table to stand in front of where we're worshiping to smoke, and they can use our window ledge to put their beer on at the same time. Now, you know, you have different distractions in your life (laughs) as you're preaching, but having that go on about as close to you as from me to that pew right there, it creates an interesting opportunity. And I use the opportunity, the, the word opportunity, on purpose. Because that particular Sunday, I noticed at one point, these guys stopped talking and they started listening to what was going on inside. I thought, you know what? This just may be their opportunity to hear something that's going to capture their attention, make an impact on their lives and cause them to be curious to learn more about Jesus. And and honestly, that's the kind of perspective you have to have on things. It's going to be different sometimes, but the opportunities are going to be there. Different sometimes. I've been shifting gears a little bit. I've I've been whining a little bit since I've been back about not being able to get beef. That's not absolutely true. This is a very common, popular meal there. Uh, This is beef. It's raw ground beef mixed with uh, raw eggs, and you put it on the garlic toast there, and it is quite a delicacy for people in that country. It's, uh, it's not bad. I do try to make it a point to not eat it uh, the, the day before I'm going to travel somewhere. And uh, speaking of traveling, <laughs> when we go to Bulgaria, we have about a five-hour train trip that we make in each direction. And I'm going to make a confession to you folks. I hope doesn't disappoint you. When we make this trip, we travel first class on the train, so we'll have nicer facilities like this since it only costs a couple of dollars, a couple of dollars extra for the first class ticket. Uh, just kind of throwback to the old days. I'm in East Texas. Everybody knows what an outhouse is. Picture an outhouse on wheels. Uh, and, and then you can understand why there's a sign in the toilet that says, do not use while the train is stopped in the station. People on the platform will appreciate that. And then I came back, I, I, I took the picture, I'm glad nobody saw me taking the picture. <laughs> I, I come back, and I, I'm a little confused and amused by the fact they've solved this age-old gender issue about seat up or seat down just by gluing the seat down? I thought it was funny. Nancy didn't. How do they live their lives? What's interesting for them? What's entertaining? Kind of like here. Somebody has a 50th birthday party, which is what we're celebrating here. They get together. They have balloons. They have cake. They sing a kind of funny-sounding version of Happy Birthday. A lot of things are similar a lot of things are different. But again, as I look at the challenging lives that some people live, I'm reminded of how incredibly blessed we are. It's not an easy place to live if, you, if you're a little bit, little bit older. It's not an easy place to live if you face some physical difficulty that limits your ability to get around. One of our dear brothers in Bulgaria is, 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 has moved back to where he grew up to take care of his mom. She's, she's elderly, and she has very serious heart issues. And they live 
a, a hundred steps up to their apartment and there's no elevator. Anytime she wants to go out, she has to, go, she has to climb down a hundred stairs. She has to climb back up a hundred steps to get back. And it's just, they just understand, they just accept the fact that given the seriousness of her heart issue, one of these times, probably not very far down the road, she's not going to make it all the way back to the top. To think about how incredibly blessed we are, our lives and our situation generally. What does it mean? What does this bring together? I think there's a couple of principles. Paul talked in 1 Corinthians 9.22 about becoming all things to all men that he might win some. The challenge of realizing that when we go over there as Americans, our, our job isn't to tell them how great our country is. I believe we've got a great country. But our purpose over there isn't to try to convert them into being Americans. It's not to tell them how weird their language is and how strange their food is and, 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 and how outdated their culture and customs are. It is without compromising principles to become as much like them as we can to make an impression and influence them. And that manifests itself in things as simple sometimes as even learning a language. You get a little country of 10 million people and they have somebody that comes in from a country of 350 million people that can talk to them in their language, that, that matters. I had kind of a funny experience a few weeks ago. I was in a pharmacy talking to the pharmacist and we were, we were frustrated. Uh, we were both frustrated because she was trying to explain some stuff to me about dosage on something and, and all of this stuff and it took us a while to get it all together. And we, we finally communicated and as I was walking out of the door... I had a thought that made me feel so much better. Her frustration was not that she thought I couldn't speak Czech. Her frustration was just that she thought I was stupid. <laughs> that, that, that made everybody feel better. <laughs> and then learning how to be content in the situations where we find ourselves. Not constantly whining, not constantly saying, oh, it's, it, it would be better if it was like this, or it's better there, or I wish I had that. But being able to say, you know what, I'm blessed. <laughs> right here, right now, with what I have. And I'm thankful for it. What about the work? I spend a little bit of time talking about that as I try to figure out how to best organize this. I broke it down this way. Some, some special events that we have some unusual opportunities that arise, and then the, the one we'll finish up with is just talking about kind of what you expect, what you envision, if somebody's preaching the gospel somewhere, what they would, what they would be doing. Let's start with this. It's coming up this summer. This summer, the first full week of August, Christians from across Europe will come together in the Czech Republic, and we'll, have, uh, we'll, spend, a week in, we'll spend a week in Bible study. Americans are welcome. <laughs> first week in August. Uh, and it's something that people there are really excited about. It almost ended. Uh, it almost ended the year before COVID, and then COVID almost sure enough wiped it out. But we've managed to get it going again, and 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 it's thriving, and we're excited about it. Uh, people plan their vacations around this. You know, what do you plan your vacation around? They they plan vacations around being able to spend a week coming together with Christians from other countries and being encouraged by that. In addition to that. There is, a, well, I mentioned a, a place out in the highlands that's so small that it doesn't make the map. But there's a family out there, there's a, there's a small church out there in the city of Leto Michel, the town of Leto Michel. Leto Michel's what, 8,000 people, 10,000 people. But there's a, a thriving church there, and one of the families has an old farmhouse they got back after communism fell and something called restitution. And they remodel that, and uh, they, they use it to bring Christians together from across the country. We'll have long weekends there. And they will invite non-Christians, and we usually have several non-Christians that show up. We have Christians from different cities that will come in. And we will spend Friday afternoon, Saturday, and Sunday in what I would call intensive studies. A lot of times I'll teach eight, eight lessons or nine lessons in that period of time. Uh, and the people are just excited about it. I remember not, not too long ago, my train was going to be delayed going back to Prague, and they said, Bill, we got an hour. Do you know anything else? <laughs> I said, well, I'll, 
I'll see. I'll, I'll try to figure out something else I can share with you. Or the, the men wanting to improve their skills in teaching and preaching. See, everybody over there takes a turn. All the guys take turns teaching and preaching. All of the churches. And they realize that it is a privilege and how important it is. So they're not just content to slap something together and, and stand there and do it. They want to improve their ability. So not too long ago, we spent a weekend together. The guys from across the country came together. Each one had, had prepared a lesson. They presented it to the rest of the guys in the group. And we, we talked about their, their, their research. We talked about their delivery. We talked about all of those things, and we shared that. And the guys did that because they, they, they want to get better. Every second month, people from around the country come together in Prague for a, a Saturday of Bible study. We start in the morning, we take a break for lunch, we finish up in the afternoon. People usually hang around for another hour or two because they just enjoy being together. Folks, the South, I, I, I love the South. I, 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 could anybody guess that I'm from the South? <laughs> I, I love the South, and there are a lot of wonderful benefits we have here. But there are some things we take for granted. And that's like the opportunity to be with other Christians. I had a Bible study a while back that included a, 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 it was a family, including their teenage daughter. And their teenage daughter said, said to me, she said, that, 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 that the kids there call me uncle. That's a good southern thing too, isn't it? Even though we're not related, everybody's uncle and aunt. Uh, they said, how do you handle it when you're the only kid in your whole school that believes in God? And I said, Donna, you mean you're the only kid in your whole class that believes in God? She said, no, I'm the only kid in my whole school that believes in God. And, you know, because I'm kind of slow sometimes. I said, all right, you're the only kid in your whole school that believes in God. She said, well, there is one Muslim boy, but I wasn't counting him. Can you imagine that, you young, you young people that are, that are sitting there? Can you imagine that? Parents, can you imagine what that would be like? Sending your kids into a situation like that? When they get the opportunity to be together, they, they, they get together. And they cherish that time together. Some of these folks drive three hours in each, in each direction in order to spend this day with their brothers and sisters. Things that we do for evangelism, some of the public lectures, some of the public lectures that we're having. It's just been wonderful to see how this is turning out. I don't know, y'all do y'all have a gospel meeting coming up pretty soon? Did I, did I see that on the way? Not too far down the road. If y'all had a night in the gospel meeting when you had 20 walk-in visitors off the street, would that seemed like a pretty good night. <laughs> That's about what their standard is there. The, the, the difference is there, though, on Sundays, they have, about, they have about 12 Christians gathered together. And we've reached the point that if, they don't have, if we don't have 20-plus people come in for one of our lectures, they're saying, well, what did we do wrong? Why aren't people turning out for this? And we kind of found the sweet spot on that. It's a combination of, of, of Czechs, are, Czechs are very interested in history and archaeology and things like that. My academic background fits really well with that kind of thing. And uh, we talk about archaeology and history and the Bible and people come in and they, they listen and listen and they ask questions. And in Brno, we have a great venue for it. I wish you could see it better here. Hey, this particular facility, it's not wired well. I think it has something to do with the fact that it's the old town hall in Brno, which means this room is 600 years old. And the wiring 600 years ago wasn't very good. But you come into places and you see the statues and all this stuff there, and it's just it's a nice, it's a nice setting for things like that. The church in Prague had basically given up having lectures because nobody ever came. But then again, there, we kind of found a sweet spot a few months ago. It was so cool because they kept trying. And, you know, it gathered there. There would be the Christians there. It would be almost time to start, and there wouldn't be anybody there, and everybody would just be kind of talking, you know, milling around, whatever. And then one, uh, one Monday night, something weird happened. People started coming in. Strangers started coming in. And the Christians are like, oh, wow. This is great. What do we do now? We actually have visitors. And now if we don't hit, you know, 
there are double digits in visitors doing the same kind of things. It's a little disappointing. That college students come in because they see the advertising for it, other young people coming in. And it's, it's a really exciting opportunity there uh, as people gather for, again, the same kind of, of, of lectures. And it's not only encouraging because of the opportunities to, to teach people who, who maybe haven't been exposed to the gospel before, but seeing how the Christians pitch in, work together, even like this young lady here, uh, Tereska, the daughter of, of, of one of the, the husband and wife that are Christians, pitching in and, and putting out the material on the table that we give away to the people that come and visit. Encouraging to see her get an early start on what she can do in service. Church in Prague comes together uh, once a month in our apartment. And we have a Bible study there. That's the kind of thing that maybe even a year ago they would not even have imagined the possibility of doing. But now we're doing that as the Christians gather and uh, including some wonderful uh, young faces like this being a part of that. But there are also some unusual opportunities. And I feel sure that cat caught somebody's eye as I put that up trying to figure out what would be an unusual opportunity. Let me illustrate that. Bulgaria, a city in Bulgaria that has amazing first century Roman ruins. Touring the Roman ruins with a Bulgarian couple that are now believe in God but have not yet been baptized into Christ, and having the opportunity to talk to them about the spread of the gospel, not sitting in the living room, but walking through these Roman ruins and talking about what the gospel and the spread of the gospel would have been like in the days of Paul as a special opportunity. As we continue to develop the website that we've talked about with one of the Christians there, including adding videos to it and things like that, Occasionally get an opportunity to go into, uh, into Israel, even into the West Bank, like the uh, city of Nablus in the background there. Not necessarily the best idea. But building, building on that website and what's happening from that, or uh, making a trip here. Does anybody recognize this particular gate? Brandenburg Gate in Berlin. And, you know, I, I, I'm not necessarily the, the, the most emotional, expressive guy you'll ever meet, but walking down the street that night and thinking about the Brandenburg Gate and the, the fall of the Berlin Wall and how that changed the lives of millions and millions of people and getting to hear the gospel and, and how it surely set our lives on a trajectory uh, 34 years ago now. An impression that came from that, but we weren't there for that. We were there for this. The Pergamum Museum in Berlin has an amazing collection of biblical artifacts. Some of the people in the Czech Republic had said, hey, Bill, it's only about a four-hour trip. Will you go with us and, and, and lead us on a tour of the museum there? Said, sure, that'll be great. So we get there, and they get to see the Ishtar Gate. You know, read about Babylon, so you get to see the Ishtar Gate. That's pretty cool. Or maybe something even more impressive like this. Second Kings 25 talks about Jehoiachin being taken into captivity. And it says at one point, his conditions of incarceration changed and he was fed rations at the king's table. Some skeptics would look at that and say, oh, I bet that's not true. But then they find the official Babylonian document that names him by name and specifies what his daily rations were is having an impact on, yes, the, the, the credibility, the historical accuracy of the Bible. And that made an impression on this group, not only those in this group that are Christians, but on the, the, the young person in this group who joined us despite being an agnostic, and the young person in this group that joined us despite being an atheist, and the hours that we spent in this museum with them asking question after question after question till at one point the atheist apologized and said, I'm sorry I'm asking so many questions. I'll just, I'm just going to wear you out. And I said, good luck. Give it your best shot. You keep asking them, and when I get to the point I don't want to hear any more questions, I'll tell you. So special, special opportunities like that. 
But then there is the part of the work that's kind of the part that you may more typically think about or imagine would be the case day-to-day in the Word, the preaching opportunities like, well, like, like, like being in Bulgaria and working with the church in Sofia and having that opportunity. There's a, a lot of reasons that the church in Bulgaria is very interesting, very special. Uh, and I, I, I know I've mentioned this here before, but I want to mention it again. Part of it is the, the, the national and the ethnic makeup of the group there. In the, the 50 or so people that will be gathered together any Sunday morning in Bulgaria, and I hope I'll get my list right here. I'm going to have to use my fingers, but don't get nervous. The toes won't be necessary. We have Bulgarians. We have Americans that are connected to the embassy there. We have a young lady from South Africa. We have a family from Ghana. We have folks from Nigeria. We have people from Egypt. We have people from Russia. And we have people from the Ukraine that all come together on Sundays and they sing together and they pray together and they take care of each other and they love each other. Because despite all the differences that create the possibility for, for tension and maybe even hatred, they figured out something really, really important. They figured out what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3 about our citizenship being in heaven. And that being the ultimate allegiance. And they're not going to let that other stuff get in the way of their service to King Jesus and them recognizing each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. And that is a wonderful and amazing, amazing thing to see in this group of people. You got at the table right here. I almost think I missed the finger somewhere. On the right, you have a family of Egyptians sitting down, and, and this is a potluck we had. A family of Egyptians sitting down, the dad's missing, with this, this uh, husband and wife part of the family from Ghana. And while it would not be so obvious as, well, like the Russian-Ukrainian thing right now, there's a whole lot of problems, tension, and frictions that exist between folks from Egypt and countries like Ghana as well. Not only worshiping together, but serving one another. And then back in Prague to see how much things have changed in Prague in such a, in such a wonderful way over the last couple of years after them having gone through some, some difficult times. Optimism, enthusiasm... And I want to tell you where a lot of it came from. A lot of it came from the generation of uh, 20-somethings. And I'll tell you why. If you grew up under communism, you spent your life minding your own business. You didn't talk to strangers. You walked down the street looking at the sidewalk. The idea of starting a conversation with a stranger that you were sharing a train compartment with was something that was not... not Inconceivable is not a strong enough word if I know what it means. It's just something that would be, be, be frightening and dangerous. We've got a group of young people that have come along that they don't see it that way. They can be riding on a train with somebody if they're making a three-hour trip and look across and think, that might be somebody that wants to know about Jesus. I'm going to start a conversation with them and see what happens. And their courage and their enthusiasm has not only enabled them to be more effective in the gospel, but honestly, it's kind of shamed a little bit of the older generation a little bit into thinking, you know what, we might be able to do the same thing too. And it's been absolutely wonderful to see. You know, when... Jesus was addressing the church in Thyatira. He made an interesting connection in the text there. He talks about the fact that they were kind of, they were kind of hanging on. They are holding on. In the next verse, he talks about that being a victory. Sometimes it is. Sometimes just hanging on during difficult times is that. This is, uh, I'd be curious to know what, what you folks imagine when you see the picture of Joseph here. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about him. He was a Jehovah's Witness as a university student when we met him a long, long time ago. Now he's a, has a Ph.D. in chemistry, 
that somehow involves programming as well, and he doesn't even bother to try to explain it to me anymore what he does. But he decided to use his programming skills to create a, a, a Bible program, and he did. And uh, Tyndall House out of Cambridge University a few years ago rated the, the, the best free Bible study programs in the world. Joseph made five. <laughs> ranked as the fifth best in the world. He loves the Old Testament. He loves the Old Testament so much that he learned Hebrew. And he learned Hebrew to the degree that a few years ago when the Czech Bible Society decided they needed to, to update their translations, this is one of the guys that they consulted with. I don't know if you, you put all this together from seeing a picture of Joseph helping prepare the emblems of the Lord's Supper. Joseph lost his older child less than a year ago in tragic circumstances. Young man in his very early 20s. We buried him on Saturday. Joseph was at worship the next Sunday. And he presented the thoughts on the Lord's Supper. And his faith was so... I'd known the kid all of the kid's life. His faith and his courage was so strong. You know, one reason he did that wasn't just because of that. It's a little group where everybody needs to pitch in. Nobody really gets a day off. And he realized that. And it created the kind of memory that you never, you, you never forget. I don't know how many people this little group has baptized over the years. This is, this is one city that people just move away from. Churches around the world literally have been blessed by people that have been baptized as a result of these people. And even now, not too long ago, they through their website, they converted a Czech family that live in a very rural part of England. They're, they're caretakers of a castle. That job apparently really does exist. And they join via Skype every, every Sunday. The man takes his turn whether it's leading singing or, or helping present thoughts for the Lord's Supper or preaching. Because given their circumstances, that's what they're able to do right now. And being able to involve their children as well. Other opportunities that, that, that come up that we figured out, you know, I, there really was a good thing or two that came out of COVID. Like us realizing we could use Skype to have Bible studies. Skype existed before COVID. We just hadn't realized that people from six different countries could come together on a Wednesday evening to spend an hour in Bible study. But we started that then. We've continued it now. I've been teaching Bible studies in Eastern Europe since I've been back. I don't know how many I've taught in the last three weeks. I have to figure out the time zones to try to get that right. But those opportunities that are there as well. Being able, being willing, being blessed with the opportunity of traveling five hours by train to be an encouragement to someone, uh, someone like this in eastern Bulgaria who's not just a, a, an outstanding and well-known programmer for a country uh, company called VMware, but he's a project manager for them. He's been turning down job offers all across the world for a number of years because he, he, he's known in the industry. But he hadn't moved away from Bulgaria because he said, I realize my brethren there need me. I can be useful here. So he lives in a tiny apartment, doesn't even have an office as he works from home because he's able to be a blessing to his own country. Opportunities to study with someone like this man. We finished our uh, lecture in Brno, and I say, hey, I'm going to be in town for a couple of days if anybody wants to study the Bible. This guy catches me going out the door and says, well, why can't we hit a coffee shop right now? I've got some questions. Can you spare me an hour? Yeah, I can spare you an hour. Working on 
helping to prepare the spiritual leaders for tomorrow? Spiritual leaders for day after tomorrow. And then finding out, I think probably the coolest thing that you can experience, 30 years ago when we moved over there, it seemed like the coolest thing in the world was to get to tell somebody who hadn't heard about Jesus about Jesus. But I figured out there's something I think even better than this. I showed you a picture three or four slides back of, uh, of a man in, in, in Brno. He's, man, he's middle-aged now. But when we first met him, he was still in college. We've known him for that long. Five or six years ago, he baptized uh, someone that, that we had been working with through the Internet. Lives in Prague. He, he's, a, he's a bomb disposal guy. In fact, not too long ago, he had to leave a Bible study we were having because he got a call. The Austrian finance minister was checking into a hotel in Prague, and he had to go sweep the room. So I got, you know, got, got to end the study right now. Well, about a month ago, he messaged me on WhatsApp and said, hey, one of my buddies that I've been studying with is going to be at worship. We've been talking about baptism. Can you be sure that you present something tomorrow that's going to be particularly relevant and helpful to him? I said, yeah, I can do that. So he comes, and a few hours after worship, Tomas, who only learned English because he wanted to be able to study the Bible more efficiently, effectively, have access to more resources, sent me this message, and the heart of this message was, Yirka made sure today that he wanted to be baptized. I'm very glad he opened his heart to God and that he wants to let him live. Have a nice evening. <laughs> I said, yeah, that'll make it a nice evening. And I'm thinking about it. That's like the third generation. Seeing somebody that you've helped teach, teach somebody who is teaching somebody. I think that's about as good as it gets right there. Encouraging and a blessing for the future. Well, folks, that's what we've been doing together. That's what we've been doing for the last eight months. And tonight as we spend the time doing something that I think has its precedent in Acts, preachers return from the preaching they've done abroad and, and they share with the brethren what God has accomplished. A little different setting. Uh, and a few verses later in Acts chapter 15, again people are hearing, different people are hearing about, about the, the spread of the Gospel and as a result of that it's bringing joy to their brothers. I hope that does that tonight. I hope it brings joy to you to think about good things that are happening. I hope it strengthens your faith as you see again the, 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 the power the power of the Gospel. I'm out of time and I know it, but I won't see you again for another year. <laughs> I want to tell you about Tomas, the bomb tech guy. I was telling him about one of my experiences talking to somebody. Christianity is very polarizing in the Czech Republic. People either think it's absolutely wonderful or they think it's horrible. There's none of this like we have, well, yeah, that's nice. I might come visit y'all someday. You know what I'm talking about when I say that? They're either no. We, we absolutely hate this. Or this might be pretty good. Tomas and I were talking about why the Czech Republic is so incredibly secular and the prejudice against Christianity there. And he said, Bill, you've, I've, never, I've never told you my experience before I met you guys. I want to tell you. He said, you know that I was an MMA fighter, and I, I didn't know that. And he said, when I became convinced there might be something more than the material universe, and I started looking around, because of my MMA background, I started looking at Eastern religions. I started looking at you know, Buddhism, for example. And that, that makes sense. And he said, I realized that the truth wasn't there. And he said, my prejudice against Christianity was so strong that I decided to check out Islam next. <laughs> he said, then I realized truth wasn't there. And he said, kicking and screaming, I gave in to looking at the Bible. And he said the power of the Gospel was so compelling and the story of the resurrected Jesus was so strong, I just didn't deny it. 
I hope situations like that strengthen your faith as you think about, yeah, that's how powerful the Gospel is. It's not just a case of, well, if you happen to be raised that way. <laughs> the power that's in the Gospel. And I hope you're motivated to say, you know what? I'm going to get out of my comfort zone a little bit. Wade nailed it in his prayer a few minutes ago. In our world, in our life, in our opportunities, let's do better with that. And I hope tonight will help us to accomplish that. The last thing I want to think about again is just our relationship and the way I feel about that. When Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, he talked about the fact that they had been such a source of encouragement and strength and help for him and how he could give thanks to God as he thought about that relationship. I hope you realize that. That's how I feel about you folks here. The encouragement and the blessing that you are. But taking it a step beyond that and going to chapter 4 of Philippians, where Paul would talk about credit or fruit that abounded to their account. Please, please, members of this church here, if you saw something you feel good about tonight, you heard something that's encouraging to you, don't walk out of the building and say, well, that's wonderful what Bill and Nancy are doing. Walk out of here thinking, it's wonderful what we are doing. What we are doing together in the Gospel. Through not just, not just the, the, the fellowship, the financial things that are going on together, Collectively, individually, prayers, kind words of encouragement, all of that being absolutely, absolutely a huge part of the work in the gospel that we started together about eight months ago. And if God allows, we will continue to do that for a while. Gospel's important, gospel's powerful. If we recognize that. Gospel's needed everywhere. Gospel's needed in Lufkin, Texas. And it may be even here tonight that there's somebody who's not a child of God. Let the power of the gospel change your life. You realize that the Son of God left heaven. He came to His own creation. And despite the fact that His own creation rejected Him, to those that did recognize Him, He gave them the right, the power to become the sons of God. Do that tonight. Jesus died for your sin. Jesus died so you can be part of God's family. Turn away from those sins. Acknowledge who Jesus is and be baptized to have those sins washed away tonight. The folks here would absolutely love to help you do that. For Christians, if there's somebody here and your life's not right with God, do what it takes to be right with Him again. And if that means some prayers being said, then we'll do that as well. If you have a spiritual need that you want to and address now, please let it be known as we stand and sing the song that's been announced. While we pray.